Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. My Chinese name is Shangguan Jiawan. I am from California, but now I am located in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. I am Alex Shu, proudly repping the Northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China at the moment. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Great. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about what it means to become an adult. And I want to tell you why I chose this show, because, you know, people think about this, obviously, in their own cultures. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought... There was a, there are a couple phrases in Chinese. I don't, I can't repeat them. Hopefully you can. Let's see. One of them is like, you're, you're not a man unless you've gone to the Great Wall. <laughs> so that mean you're not a person, an adult, or does that mean you're not a man? You're not a man. So women shouldn't go there then. <laughs> we should we should revamp it <laughs> there, there's another one about going to the you haven't unless you've swum in the yellow river is that it or you've been to the yellow river there's another one i've heard about uh, I, I don't know about the swimming in yellow river one <laughs> <laughs> all right so you know uh i can think of tons of like american or i guess may, maybe international sort of like uh things maybe it's more american i don't know moving out you know yeah like in america for some families it's like yeah cool okay my my son lives in the basement and he's 25 years old cool no problem you know that used to be like something weird maybe 20 years ago you ha 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 you live with your mom all right yeah but now it's 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 cool people like uh you know especially now that the pandemic has come but like also because the wages have like been stagnant and like families are increasingly living together because it makes more sense and mm -hmm. people you know it's cool okay you live with your mom whatever when i was a kid and for my family it was like okay jason you know you're 18 you need to move out and i was like okay and i did and it was a good experience for me personally i ended up growing in all kinds of ways that i had been stagnating in and so like for me like moving out was a good opportunity to learn how to pay bills and what like, real life was like and maybe i started school and again and i was like okay this it's really changed my life and it was like i did kind of become more i wouldn't say i became an adult because you know i'm not an adult now and i'm in my 40s but I became more of an adult and it was like a, a big deal. And I think it is for a lot of people, you know, and maybe for going to college, people choose to go to school in a different state or something or like, yeah, yeah. or they just like get a job somewhere else and they move far away from their mom and dad. And it's like, OK, I'm coming mm -hmm. into my own. So it, you would you say that this is true or not true for some Chinese folks? It really, that really, really depends. I wish I could come up with the more, you know, general conclusion of how people deal with this whole becoming an adult, what the mark is or what the, you know, the, the incident is. Um, I guess a lot of people, when they go to college, when they move to, if they do go to college in a different city, that kind of marks the, 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 the transition from a child to an adult. Um, for other people, I think for me personally, it really wasn't until I have come back from the U.S. That's when my parents were like, okay, fine. Maybe she could make decisions for herself. Like maybe we could let her do her own things. And it's that separation from your parents. And whenever that happens, that kind of pushes people into their adulthood. And I think that's regardless of, you know, the timing or, or the event, that's probably universal in different cultures. Wow. Um, <laughs> Was that too unexpectedly profound? No, no, no. I mean, I'm just I'm just thinking like, you know, 
in different, it's, you know, like traditional cultures, there's usually some kind of ceremony, you know, so like, yeah, I'm thinking of maybe you're a Jewish. I think if you, you have something called a bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah, yeah, and that's what 13, I think, I think it's 13 years old. And so they uh, become like an adult at that age. They have a big yeah. party and these are becoming yeah. the outlandishly expensive parties around the world where people are like, yeah, not only is our kid like an adult now, according yeah. to this our cultural tradition but also we're opulent and we have so much money and we can get these special guest stars there and so i think you know it's really interesting because like in america there's no there's no one unified like a way that people mark becoming an adult yeah i mean in ancient china people change their hairstyles if you're a guy or especially for 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 boys like i think when they turn 14 or sorry when they turn 16 i think and they change Change their hairstyles to it used to be um can't translate that but it used to be when you're a kid you don't have to do you know i'm sure you've seen period dramas where like hmm. men have to put up their uh hair in a bun hmm. and hmm. um that, that means becoming a man uh, in some part of chinese ancient history but nowadays in in you know modern china there wasn't really a ceremony that everybody does or everybody observes to mark the uh you know entering adulthood but i, I know that in a lot of high schools uh in China, at least in my high school, they do a sort of, you know, a school organized ceremony for, for kids when they turn 18. And that's basically just telling you guys that, uh, you know, outside of studying, you are going to have more responsibilities and you're you know an adult now. And the first kind of test for your adulthood is the college entrance exam. But after that, you know, you're going to take on more responsibilities, which I think I would really I really appreciated that when I was in high school. You know, I I love that the school is telling me that and I felt like I'm entering adulthood with everybody in my class. So that becomes, you know, this kind of like adults transitioning community that we're having. So that's I like that. I think it's better than, you know, for me personally, having just a party and everybody coming here and be like, you are an adult. Like I have peers actually sharing that pressure of becoming an adult. You know, I brought this show up, but I also think it kind of like, does it even matter? Like, is there a, what is the difference between being a child and an adult? And sometimes, you know, I, I, I try to think of what life was like as a child. And I remember myself thinking, well, when I grow up, what I want to do is make it so there's no homework because homework is so unfair. Yeah. But like, you know, now I'm looking back at my myself as a child and i'm like well you could probably could do done more homework i know <laughs> i i always tell i always tell kids i am like you you think you're having it harder but you wouldn't want to grow up because when you're in school all you have to do is make sure you finish your homework and your mm, life is mm. set <laughs> yeah actually yeah that's one of the things i outline i have i have a kindergarten class and sometimes i'm trying to help them understand that they need to try hard and focus you know when we're reading stories and stuff like because they get their storybooks and i want them to pay attention not just like blankly stare out the window or something so i say oh well what do you want to do when you grow up and they're like oh, i want to help mommy and i want to have a big house and i'm like oh well what do you need to have what do you need to do to get a big house oh i need to have a good job and then I'm like okay well what do you need to have a good job and they're like i need to study hard and i'm like yeah Yay. exactly yes that's what exactly. you need to do but you know so but like the transition for getting becoming an adult like culturally around the world like it seems like in, in Older cultures, whether it be like Chinese or American society, like, uh, you know, because it's a, a hodgepodge of different cultures coming together, there were all these like very specific markers 
So I may maybe like because it's in America, it's like a legal society. So becoming 18 years old usually literally legally marks your becoming an adult. There's no ceremony mm -hmm. necessarily, but it's like, OK, now you are like legally required to take care of yourself and your parents don't have guardianship over you. And so this becomes that marker of whether or not you've become actually an adult. And there's no ceremony to it. It's just like some sort of official like thing, kind of like getting married. You you meet someone you're in yeah. love with and show, okay, you maybe you live together or not or whatever. And like marriage is just sort of like a legal way of like officiating that it's been that you are actually a couple, but really you were a couple before you got married. Yeah, right? I mean, that's, it's kind of like, I think the whole becoming an adulthood and the, the, the fact that it's tied to marriage, like for example, in, in, in uh, ancient Chinese, it's basically... When I was talking about when uh, men become a certain age, I think uh, when they become 20 um, and they get the, the the they put their hair up differently. And that's actually saying like you're recognized as a man by the group and you could get married like you could marry a wife. Now, I think that's just from like system and then or, you know, currently and nowadays as legally that you have the right to hold up the responsibility of human reproduction <laughs> like as, a, as, a, as an adult. You know, that's really interesting, actually. So it has something to do with becoming like um, responsible for the next generation, maybe in some way. But, you know, for a lot of people, they choose not to have children. Yeah. So then uh, are they just responsible for upholding the, the values or like culture for it's just so complicated, actually. It is. It is. It's not a single. I, I, I mean, that's kind of the fascinating part about adulthood and and people don't really say this well chinese people say this too but we don't use it as a verb and i'm sure you've heard the you've seen the social media uh tags uh hashtags where people say adulting is hard and then chinese we say just say adult life is hard and people are always kind of talking about it because it's so like you said it's so complicated your life becomes some you know your life starts to embody different responsibilities different meanings it's not just you know following your parents uh orders and you know um trying to do mm -hmm. schoolwork yeah yeah I, you know one of the things i wanted to talk about in this is like the difference between being a child who's has is someone's responsibility and being an adult who may or not have but being responsible for yourself so like i think that's really interesting as a child like your mom or dad or guardian, maybe it's grandma or grandpa or uncle or whatever, they're responsible essentially for your behavior, for your upbringing, for your education. Like, you know, legally, if, if you're sick, they have the right in America, at least, yeah. to make decisions regarding your life, you know, like in life, life and death, whether you can get this procedure or you should get that procedure or like all kinds of things. And then at some point, it becomes your own responsibility to make those kinds of decisions. And so, like, it seems like... um it is important in, in contemporary society because there are a lot of things that are literally, it's like life and death are on the line. Sometimes. That's a really good way to put it. It's just, you know, when you become an adult, whatever age it is, uh, it means in different cultures, you just like you're responsible for your own behaviors. Mm. That includes uh, life and death. I think it also is different in different generations. Like, so like for, for me personally, it was like, okay, you move out. And like, I actually, I, I'm not sure. I feel like I, I was an adult maybe to some extent when I moved out or when I became legally responsible for myself yeah but i never had the feeling that i was i mean i guess in my 30s i started to think of myself okay i actually maybe i am capable of making important decisions at this point because when i was 18 i certainly wasn't making the most responsible decisions yeah but when i was in my 30s i started like having adequate judgment yeah to feel like i was competent at making the requisite decisions to make my life 
go in the right direction Mm -hmm. to improve the quality of my life and to be a good member of society, to be responsible to other people, to be responsible to my loved ones, be responsible. Like, you know, in my 20s, I was just more concerned with like, am I having enough fun? Am I going to the right concerts? (laughs) Does this T-shirt look cool on me? And like, I'm not sure that like mentally I was ready for like, you know, like making life and death decisions. And it seems like, you know, I guess maybe in, in Jewish tradition, 13, is that is that too young or what is what is it to be an adult i guess and maybe it's a bit of a philosophical question and it is but i guess you know if you're 13 12 13 14 you you could probably do some of the i guess physical not physical but i think from an awareness point of view like speaking of how conscious you are about the problems and issues and challenges your community might be facing i think that's an age where you start to develop that kind of consciousness. You know, you start to know that, oh, maybe I need to do this. Maybe you can't do certain things, but you're like, oh, I need to follow this path. And so that I could help my community in ABC, you know, uh, 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 fronts when I become more capable physically and mentally. That's why. Well, China and the United States, kids learn. And, they, you know, they, they seem to be pretty smart. I know a lot of kids and they're really, you know, they actually do know that they're going to grow up and be members of society. They're going to be like mommy and they're going to be like daddy. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. in China specifically, they, as an example, they memorize a lot of ancient poems so they can recite all of these ancient poems as a child. You know, I think the concepts inside those uh, are probably too complicated for them because they don't have the life experience to understand like love or like major loss, maybe, maybe, you know, not necessarily, maybe some of them have, but a lot of them haven't experienced, you know, real life scenarios that accompany those philosophical ideas in those ancient poems that have been passed through from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're memorizing them. So later when they're in their twenties and thirties and forties, they're going to have these, aha, oh, that's what this poem really means kind of moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, like kids, are mostly just absorbing information so that later they can contextualize it. Yeah. And maybe that's part of becoming an adult is like getting the life experience necessary to have the appropriate contexts. I think so. And I think that's the same with um, a lot of literature, a lot of uh, movies, even um, you just revisit it when, you know, when you're an adult, something that you watch when you're a kid and you revisit it 20 years later, you're like, oh, that's what it means. Another idea that exists, and this is not really something that exists as much as in American culture. Maybe it did. I'm guessing if you go back more like a few decades or even a century in America, you get a lot of younger people referring to older people as sir Mm. and as miss or madam. That's not really like the case now. I mean, even even some families, not my family, some families, they don't call their mom mom. They call their mom by her given name. Yeah. And so, you know, (laughs) it seems like increasingly these formalities, these honorifics are disappearing. But I know that in a lot of other cultures, they're not disappearing. Yeah. So like we're talking about China today because we have our wonderful friend from Dongbei here. <laughs> Could you explain a little bit about the honorifics? Like how does one relate to someone who is younger or older than than someone else? So this I think this applies to the ways of saying uh, this kind of honorifics are different across China, but the meanings are all the same. Like we would 
if it's someone that we don't know um, in a, of course, not in a formal setting, because in a formal business setting, you're just going to call that person by their title. But if it's a social setting and if someone that we don't know and you could sort of safely make the judgments, if this person is a little older than you, um, you would call them Google or Tia, like big sister or big brother. Right. And then if it's someone that you want to, for example, see an elderly person and you want to get their attention, you would call them, you know, like, you know, uncle or, or auntie. And then if you're even younger, if you're like a kid, kid kind of, you see these people, you would call them grandpa and grandma, but that doesn't mean that they're, mm, you know, mm, related mm. by blood. It's just a way of saying, you know, hey, mm, I recognize this, mm. you know, because it's part of the Chinese culture that you respect your elderly always. Um, and then we didn't have any, you know, prefixes in people's names or, or, or changes in grammar to show that kind of thing but we do address people with this kind of uh uh you know this way of of getting their attention or starting a conversation you make sure that you show by saying dama, like big uncle big aunt i am telling you that i am coming to you with a very polite manner mm, so that mm. if i ask you for directions you're going to tell me the right way <laughs> so basically the family names take the place of honorifics across all society you know I've, i have, i i know this but i never really thought of it in the way that you could just put it yeah that's really interesting so are there other terms so shansheng doesn't you wouldn't say someone in your own family that's you would very, call your dad yeah. shansheng no but do people actually <laughs> use the term shansheng in, in day-to-day life not not anymore for our listeners that means mr i think mr yes yeah, yeah mr it, so it it's really you rarely hear that anymore unless you're for example at a wedding at some sort of uh you know an industry conference uh some sort of summit where they're trying to um you know mention your name on stage as a very formal introduction that's when you'll hear like which means mr and uh madam or lady or miss you know this kind of, of way other than that in daily life you rarely hear that or some people when they introduce you know their spouse they would say this is my this is my mister this is my husband mm, but that's mm, also that's mm, also mm. very formal so in what kind of context would someone because like i think there are business contexts where you would say oh this is mr smith yeah or this is miss jones or something like outside of business if you're just like meeting people, they would just be, hey, this is my friend Jill. Yeah. And this is my. F- yeah. So it, it seems like the kind of honorifics in in America like are gone. So I, I, I do have to this little story, though, when I was. um, So my my ex-boyfriend was from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, you know. And so when I went to meet his family for the first time and he told me that his mom's name was Deborah and coming from, you know, I was studying in Boston and we had professors who were in their, you know, 60s and even or even 70s. And we were calling them by their first name. I was like, oh, so everything is casual. And I went down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I just when I met his mom and I said, oh, it's so lovely to see you, Deborah. And then she immediately pulled back and she said, she said, who told you we're friends? <laughs> Something along. Wow. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, you were supposed to call me Miss Deborah. And I was like, oh, my God, I was so embarrassed at that time. But wow. I guess I guess it still exists in, in some part of the U.S. where people, I'd say maybe in the South, there's a bit of that. Yeah. 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 And you need to be very, very careful with the honorifics of people. I always go with the most polite way. It's I guess guess it's always safe if you go you start from that and people could tell you hey just call me 
you know, Alex. Oftentimes we're warning our American listeners that uh, China's not monolithic, but I guess we should also say that America's not really monolithic. Yeah. And that it's different from place to place and that different localities have different, like, uh, degrees of of respect from the way that they articulate things. So, like, I I guess we need to be careful anytime we move from one populated area to another populated, or even from one family to the next, you know? I know, just always stay on the safe side. (laughs) Yeah, always just be respectful until someone says, oh, no one calls me sir my name is bob <laughs> yeah so that, it's the same with with chinese as well even though when i say like you know calling someone xianxiong or nushi like mr or or, or miss mm, mm, it, mm. it's not super widely used among chinese people but it's safe to go that route you know when i make business phone calls i still i still use that but i don't you know mm, mm. i don't call people that in, in daily life just xianxiong and nushi but there's nothing wrong it doesn't hurt oftentimes in america even in contexts where you might not use sir a lot it's some parents, some families will insist that their children refer to older people as sir or miss and stuff like that. Yeah. So especially young children, I mean, we're talking about children versus adults and like adulthood here. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, do children in China use the term Xianchang like maybe more than adults do because they're expected to show more respect? Um, Not really, because like I no. said, Xianchang is really only used uh, in formal business settings and children don't usually have to deal with that. <laughs> so, but, if, but, but if you're a kid in China, you would really just going around, you would really just go around all day saying, <laughs> you know, uncle and tea, like you're just calling everybody your family. It's kind of cute. I never thought about it, but think putting it this way, speaking out loud, is kind of cute. Like the whole world is your family. You know, that's really interesting for me. Like my wife, she has a first cousin that uh, she's particularly close with. And, you know, they've had a lot of uh, interaction in, you know, the recent past. And she always says my sister. And I'm like, who, what? You don't have a sister. Oh, your cousin. Because like, and, yes. and she says it over and over again. And I keep trying to say in English, you should refer to her as your cousin. But she, she always equates the word like sister with like the Chinese word for sister and therefore always just translates it in her head and keeps referring to the, her first cousin as her, her sister. Yep. And it's, I guess it's because growing up, that's just all she called her. Like, hey, sister, hey, sister, That is sister. true. That is true. Like we... It, we only, uh, you know, distinguish the different relations. So basically in China, if someone is, if your cousins have the same family name, then they're your Kangqing. And if they don't have the same family name, they're your Biaoqing, which doesn't, you know, it's not even a lot of Chinese. Wow, I know even a lot of Chinese people don't know the exact rules of why that is, but it really doesn't really, it doesn't matter as much. Like you could, you there are rarely any occasions where you need to make that distinction where it, it you know, changes things from black to white. So these people that we grew up with, you, we just call them same thing. Like if you're older than me, you're my Guga. And you're, if you're younger than me, you're my, you're my Mimi, you're my Didi, like my little sister, my little brother. Um, I think in some part of China, they, uh, Southern part of China, they like to make that a little more clear. But in Northern China, it's just like, you know, Guga, Didi, Didi, Mimi. Yeah, 
you know, China also has different languages. So like that, like if you're speaking Hakka, I mean, everyone's supposed to be speaking Mandarin, but some people speak Hakka or some Guangdonghua or like mm -hmm. maybe local dialects. And so that might also influence like how people are referring to yeah. one another. So I guess we're just looking at like the general picture, not like at all cases. Yeah, but unfortunately, not unfortunately, but for Chinese kid growing up and becoming an adult doesn't mean that you could stop calling people. <laughs> you still have to do that. You know, I, I, I see that the family thing, you know, in Korean, I, I, I lived there for one year and I noticed uh -huh. that they're, they're actual, the language, the way that firstly verbs come at the end of the sentence. Yeah. And so the, they conjugate the verb depending on the age or level of respect yeah. required for the person. So every single sentence that you're saying, or not every sentence, but most sentences, especially where you're referring to someone else, yeah. need to be conjugated in such a way that it shows the appropriate level of respect or relationship with that person, which, yeah. you know, I guess if you grow up with that, you know, it seems like second nature or first nature even, but like for outsiders, this is like really complicated. Yeah. And like not knowing it's not about knowing what age or respect level the other person is, but actually being able to conjugate all the verbs appropriately all the time for the individual cases can make the link learning the language very, very challenging. I think. And then again, this is me observing another culture from, you know, media products. But I think in Korea, you would get a lot that there's there's more consequence if you don't kind of go by the the you know the honorifics of people that you're supposed to well, what are the consequences i don't know like if you're starting in a company and you didn't uh, you know and you're the new newcomer and you didn't call them uh you know uh, some bit i think that's the word i could mm, be saying mm. it completely wrong and then you didn't address them by brother or sister mm. then you're gonna have a much rougher start <laughs> you know well, so, i don't actually remember all of it because it's actually really hard but uh, i do remember anyang is like hey what's up you know, you you and me were the same age, roughly. Let's be buddies. Oh. Anyang, and then they have Anyangaseo. It's more like Anyangaseo, a formal. Yeah. Instead of hi, yeah. it's like hello or something. You know, yeah. so you're actually adding a degree of formality. And usually, the more honorific it is, the the longer the conjugation gets. So yeah. I think it's this chain in Japanese too. So Japanese and Korean have this like uh, embedded in their in their actual grammar. Yeah, it's in their it's in their language system. It's not just you know. Um, kind of an awareness thing, but and for for Chinese people, I would you know I would say that we're more shows up more in the way that we speak to them, not exactly the words that we use. Like you know how you I'm sure you've seen when Chinese people talk to little kids, they were like, hey, you know, oh you're so oh what's your name? Oh your name is Jason. Oh that's so cute. But when you speak, to <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to personally do that to babies. I don't like to baby talk babies. Um. But it's it's more about the tone that you take mm. with people that you're mm. supposed to respect. Mm. You know, <laughs> you don't talk too casually. <laughs> oh, how are you doing today, Alex? <laughs> I know. You would think someone was totally out of their mind if they started talking to you that way. I know, but you start to put away, like, at least for me, when I'm speaking to my elders or people that are of higher ranking or people that I need to be more respectful to then I really make sure that my 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 uh, words are coherent. I am not making you know stupid mistakes. Or I'm I'm using words that are a lot more let's say safe. So mm. that's how we show you know respect. That's how you talk to your 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 elderly.
this is a cliche I want to bring up. Uh, in American society, oftentimes they look at East Asian cultures and they see bowing. So like I, I did see this in Korea. So if, with your boss, they would people would bow like not all the way down. I think that's more like a Japanese thing to bow all the way to the waist with the head. Yeah. I mean, but in Korea, they would just bow like a little bit, a few inches or maybe a, a it's foot. More like in a. But I don't see that a lot in China. I don't see bowing, but yeah. I do see no. bowing because we're, we're talking about genera- ch- children and adults. I do see children in some formal settings bowing to their parents and to some adults like grandpa and stuff sometimes. So uh, first of all, the Korean bowing to me is more like an like it's it's a more intensive nodding. Like you just <laughs> nod a lot, like not hard. And then that's the kind of the Korean bowing to me. Chinese people don't you don't bow anymore in a, again in a formal way. Uh, kids bow to like parents would ask kids to like if you take your kid to ask for directions from a police officer and then when you leave here like thanks to we call police officers uncle uncle mm. police ting you know and then the, your parent would be like the, the, <laughs> yeah, the parent would be like uncle police thank you thanks ting thanks to uncle police and then the kid would just like bow because it's easier for them to bow it's not that work they're tiny they're closer to the ground it's easier for them to just huh. bow to people but it's not formally requested it's not like required when that you bow to people to show gratitude and people don't what really if you're meeting that. someone like uh like you know someone really high up on the rank just like, let's just use xi jinping as an example would you bow no no, no. you would just well, we'll nod your head a little bit down something you will nod and you will just make sure that you're engaging with full-on eye contact and 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 then if the you know if the chairman decides to shake your hand then you take <laughs> your hand out and shake his hand i think it's all elbows now isn't it <laughs> <laughs> at the formal thing you just touch each other's elbows i see all these yeah. different ambassadors from different countries like touching each other's elbows yeah. at the end of like anyways uh so you know i was thinking another thing about like becoming an adult is like when i was a kid i can also remember myself telling mom man you don't understand how stressful it is being a child in high school or whatever and mm-hmm. like my mom would say things like you don't understand how stressful it is to being an adult you're in your the- mom was right well <laughs> i mean i was thinking yes and no but i'm trying to reflect as a child i yes absolutely adulting is really hard yeah but i don't want to disrespect children's feelings and i was trying to understand this getting ready for the show And I was thinking about like, you know, when you're in junior high school, maybe for an adult, you look at the problems that a junior high school student has. Oh, sometimes they have difficulty in their social relationships. But also children don't know what social relationships are supposed to necessarily all the complexities of how to engage with other people. Like you, you go to work and you're respectful with all your coworkers because you know that's expected and you're you're try to be good to everyone and have good relationships with everyone. But as a child, when maybe you meet another child and that child is like experimenting with what is it going to be like to like be alienated with this other child. And you, you know, that person relationships can get complicated and maybe for a child, like, looking on as an adult, it looks really simple. The solution is obviously just to be nice to people. But for a child, it might not be always super clear because the models of other people around them, like their friends, may not be the best models. And so it's complicated. They're trying to be friends. Billy's trying to be friends with, uh, you know, Sally, but Sally doesn't like Jill. (laughs) And so like, I I can't be nice to Jill too, because I like Sally and I want Sally to like me. And so like, you know, it seems really simple as an adult, but like as a child, these can create very complex feelings for them. And maybe, you know, in addition to their regular homework, they're dealing with 
pressures of trying to engage <laughs> with their classmates. I don't I just what yeah. I want to do is try to be respectful to the feelings of children and that this the some of the pressures that they're under that we t- think are trivial as adults. Yeah, I mean, I've only observed American young adults or or teenage life in in movies and TV shows. I've never, you know, I I I was never part of the American high school life system, but I it's funny how when people at least like some of the friends I have um, in the U.S., when they want to express something being over dramatized and being someone is being overly dramatic in the, as an adult, they say that is this high school? Like, are you still in high school? Why are you bringing up this high school drama? <laughs> I feel like high school took on so much defamation for being naive and dramatic in the States. And it's just not it's not really the same here. I feel like because mm, mm. high school is for, for a lot of Chinese students is probably the most intense part of their life because they're really mm. you know gearing towards the college entrance exam full force they don't have anything else they don't have the mental capacity to do a lot of the other making a social circle mm. of course it mm. still happens like you know it's still it's teenagers it's kids having becoming more and more aware of their surroundings and their social relations and they're trying to they're growing to be more independent of course that happens in china as well like you start to have your little friends group that you're more close with than the other people in your class and you try to you know you start to like or dislike a certain person because of the way they walk or whatever that's all normal that's all happens but most of your time is occupied by, you know, academic work and your personal growth. And, you know, the government's really big on nowadays, like making sure that high school kids is doing enough physical um, uh, activities to so that they don't become, you know, all kid They don't become, you know, a generation of kids going into college all with, you know, thick uh, glasses uh, eyeglasses you know so there there's a lot that they need to do in high school so they're not they don't have like half of their high school time just being distributed to figuring out mm. whether sally likes jill you know? <laughs> so i guess we don't have like because uh, it, it's it's funny to me that when in in the in u.s when i was in the u.s people have a kind of this period of time in your life that you could just use as a way of saying things are you know a little childish or naive and in china i'm mm. trying to think like we don't really have a a period period of time in our life that we could just go back to them and saying why are you being so you know um naive like why are you acting like you're mm. in kindergarten i guess we don't really say that <laughs> yeah hmm. well you know let's look at a different angle then for 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 i think this is true like in china certainly and in america children oftentimes can't make decisions like i want to go to this birthday party billy's having a birthday party and i've been invited and i want to go but mommy says no you can't go so billy's not able to go and billy's like oh go and so maybe he has a fit or not yeah. or and you know, maybe he, his feelings are hurt because he thought he really wanted to go to this party i don't know maybe you know maybe maybe i'm thinking still thinking too american in this context but maybe there's something that a, a child in china wants to do that mom says oh you can't do that like oh i want to i don't want to take guitar lessons anymore mom i want to take piano lessons yeah let's just put it that way so then mom says no you already started guitar lessons i paid for the guitar lessons you have to take <laughs> you said you wanted to learn guitar and then oh, i don't want to take guitar anymore my fingers hurt or whatever it is. Yeah. So one of the things that children experience in, I think, both countries in some way is they don't have the choice. They don't have uh, as much freedom as an adult who can if an adult's taking a guitar class and they decide they don't like it, they can just say, well, yeah, 
I just want to try to get a refund and I, I don't want to do this anymore. So adults are have more ability to make their decisions that are going to impact their daily life than children. And so maybe that is something is a definition between adulting and chi- being a child. For me, it's kind of the opposite, actually. I feel like when you're mm-hmm. when you're a kid, you're when you're making decisions, there's only kind of one um, one limit or, or, or one standard you have to meet, like whether it's you know, whether it follows the rules of your family, but when you're an adult, every decision has to be, you know, the combination of like financially, is it responsible? Mm-hmm. Is it good for me? Is it good for my family? Does it meet who I want to be mm-hmm. in the future? Mm-hmm. Of course, is it legal? You know, is it risky? <laughs> and that is like, that's about concerns so many different uh, aspects of society. So I felt like when you're an adult, when you're making decisions, yes, you could kind of quote unquote, make your own decisions, but you have to be responsible for so many different parties just for every mm, decision mm, mm, you make. Mm. Whereas a kid, you're just kind of like, oh, well, I don't get to make a lot of decisions. But if I do, it's just like, you know, do you want this? Yes, no. Okay, then it's out of my hands once I say anything at all. So Alex has definitely come down on the side of children's lives are easier than adults. <laughs> I am so on that side. You have no idea. I, I preach this to our friends, 13 year old all the time. I said, Delilah, be wise and stop growing up. You know, <laughs> you have it so much easier now. Yeah. Burn that calendar because it's it's making everything worse. Exactly. You know, I don't I don't think we can slow down time. So that's that's not unfortunately that advice is not going to really help. <laughs> <laughs> just to drill that in their head and know that they're having it really really good. So just cherish what you have right now. Stop yeah, complaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop complaining. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was going to ask this question, prefer being a child with serious responsibilities, with or without serious responsibilities, and an adult with personal freedom. And I was going to ask you, is this a false dichotomy? But it sounds like you've decided it certainly is a false <laughs> dichotomy. And children, being a child forever would be the most ideal with mommy and daddy just taking care of everything and sending you off to guitar class. <laughs> <laughs> and then you decide to give up because you didn't like the teacher. <laughs> well, you know, um, I agree. I'm trying to be empathetic to my version of my all my thoughts as a child where I was like, this is unfair. And I'm like, as an adult, I'm trying to empathize with my former self, trying to understand, like, I feel like I have freedom now a little bit more so than when I was a child. Like I, if I want to, you know, okay, for example, Mm. I heard this joke. It's about birthday cake. They say, you you know, you can have birthday cake when it's not your birthday. No one's going to check. And that's the punchline. It's not a great joke, but you know, the idea, the, that is the joke. Okay, let's hear it. I'm sorry. That was usually (laughs) like, that's, let's hear it. But that is the joke. So obviously I'm not a stand-up comedian, but like my point is like as an adult, you could just like, oh, you know, as a kid, you're like, okay, mom said I can only have two pieces of pizza, but as an adult, you're like, no one's looking. I can have as much pizza as I want. (laughs) Like, yeah. I mean, obviously you don't want to like your pants not to fit or something. Mm. That's gonna that is you have a responsibility to your attire. But like, you know, (laughs) you can make decisions like right now, okay, for example, Chinese New Year just is just kicking off. Yeah. And there are some places I could travel around China. If I really wanted to, I could 
go out into the next room and say, hey, Balbar, my wife, hey, do you want to just go to Chengdu like right now? Let's just get on a train, buy tickets tomorrow and go to Chengdu yeah. and we could leave and just come back in a few days. As a mm-hmm. child, I couldn't just go to my dad and say, all right, dad, we're going to Chengdu tomorrow. <laughs> like dad would be like, what? That's true. That's true. <laughs> like I said, when you're a kid, all the decisions, any decision you have to make is a yes or no. It's hard for you to come up with a motion and put it forward to your parents and be like, can you sign off on this? It's, you, it's usually your parents coming to you and be like, like, hey, do you want to do this? And you're like, hmm, okay. And then they take care of everything. They've, mm-hmm. you know, sorted out the schedule, yeah. the itinerary, yeah. you know, the 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 budget, of course. So you don't have to worry about any of that. Now it's like, oh God, I want to go to this place. Then I have to make sure that I have days off from work and I don't have other responsibilities. And then do I have enough money to do this? Who's gonna take care of my house? All of that, you know. It's like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's hard for me to to find a balance between these two kind of situations. Or maybe I'm just overly, overly concerned. Yeah, I think we're both spot on and we're actually just dancing around the same kind of issues. And, and you know, I think being a child is, you know, wonderful experience. The, the only terrible thing about it is eventually you have to become an adult and then you have to like decide, oh, I'm kind of be a doctor or whatever. Mm. There's actually a really famous joke, if I could quote it. And I, I, of course, again, I'm not a comedian, so you're going to be like, now where, 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 where was the joke? <laughs> this is Billy Crystal. I'm not I'm not getting saying it correctly. I'm paraphrasing because this is from a movie called City Slickers and Billy Crystal uh-huh. he's standing in front of a bunch of like high school kids and or junior high school kids and his son is there and uh, he's 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 supposed to be talking about his job selling uh, commercials on like a radio at a radio station and he decides he's having his midlife crisis so he, he's talking that's the context mm-hmm. and Billy Crystal says well you know at your age it's great because you still have all of your choices in front of you. And then your 20s are going to go by really fast. And then you're going to be in your 30s and you're going to finally have your career. And you're going to be like, mm-hmm. what happened to my 20s? And then you're going to be in your 40s and you're going to, you know, you're really going to take on some some extra responsibilities at work. And then you're going to be in your 50s and you're going to have your first operation. You'll call it a procedure, yep. but it'll be an operation. Yep. Then you'll be in your 60s and you'll really have an operation. And you'll be in your 70s and say, hey, why don't the kids call? Yeah. And then, then you'll be in your 80s and you'll have a Jamaican nurse who you don't understand <laughs> and your wife hates, but you call mama. Oh, so like, I think that's really kind of like what I wanted to talk about today. Like, what is like the trend, not just the transition to adult, but what is like, what are the similarities and differences around the world between people who are transitioning to diff- through different aspects of their life and taking on kinds of different kinds of responsibilities and how how are those similar and different to one another so you know in america i think a lot of people finally do start to make money in their 40s and 50s and that's like mm-hmm. when most people generally start developing their savings i think part of that is the the responsibility of retirement's coming up and maybe they take it more seriously but also because they're of a certain age it's easier for them to get better job placements and things because people look at people in their 40s and their 50s and generally they respect them yeah and they're like oh, okay this person probably knows what they're talking about within you know certain range obviously yeah and so you know responsibilities change over your lifetime and it's not just about becoming an adult on one day but it's also like changing the responsibilities you have over your lifetime to meet the different expectations of each period of your life and you know that's i think it's pretty similar in most cultures around the world yeah and and chinese culture i i you know from my understanding we don't really have a certain thing you have to do when you're at a certain age mm, like mm, you know mm. it you you're supposed to reach this career point when you're 
at this age that isn't really a thing in Chinese culture. But we like people do follow or even with our parents, um, even when sometimes they're saying that, you know, you have to get married at a certain age. It's actually kind of it stems from this whole Confucius idea of what people have to realize or what their mental status should be at a certain age. Um, that's heavily influencing how every how the you know how Chinese people look at where they should be at a certain age. But that again, it's like mentally, like for example, because Confucius Confucius was like, I started I put all my heart into mm-hmm. uh, academic study when I'm 15, and that's the age when you start high school. That's why I said like people are like when you're 15, like when you're before that, you could have fun, you could do all of that, but when mm. you're 15, you really have to start thinking about like what you want to absorb uh academically and you need to learn the most because that's what you don't have to worry about like, you don't have to pay for your own learning like your parents are paying for you mm-hmm. um and then you, i'm sure you've heard the whole you know uh you have to um be able to the transition is kind of like i have to stand firm at 30 which means like when you're 30 years old you should be able to hold up whatever responsibility that falls on your Mm -hmm. shoulder whether Mm -hmm. it's your family your career you need to be on your you know on your own like you become someone who stands and between like heaven and earth and you become this person that holds it up Mm -hmm. and then when you're 40 you you don't you're not confused anymore you're not doubt you don't have doubts like you've read through most of what life has in store for you and you become more I guess, clear when you're 40 and then like going on 50, you know that, you know, you know, your degrees, like, you know, that you're about to a lot of people, like you said, when you're 50, you have your first procedure, you have your first operation. You're like, all right, now I have to face death. Like it's a possibility. It's Mm going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that kind of progression of like each decade, you have a different, you know, change of awareness of what you have to be mentally to be, you know, to, to go through your life. That's kind of the, the path that we follow. So maybe the the problem with the English language, or maybe I don't know other languages. I'm not super fluent in, but like the concept of a child and adult is too simple. You know this bi- this binary that there are two phases of life: too young to make your own decisions, or you're old enough to be responsible for yourself. Is too simple of a way of looking at it. Really, it, 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 we should be looking at the gradation of life over the various different periods. You know, you know, there's this current uh, push. For the double reduction policy. Yeah. So that younger younger children in China don't get homework. So I guess childhood me victory in China because, I'll, you know, if you're in kindergarten or first or second grade, like the expectations for homework now are that teachers don't really give it. Yeah. So that you, you can go and be a, a little boy or a little girl and run around and play and play with your Legos and watch you know, I don't know, the Monkey King or whatever it is they're watching, Disney movies or something. Yeah. And just enjoy enjoy life, you know, and 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 maybe take some PE kind of classes to make sure that you're strong and you have good balance and things. I agree with that. I think young children, that's what they should be doing. You know, even as an educator, I don't want my, I don't want the children that I'm educating to be sitting at home all day, staring at like a math book when the sun is shining outside and they should be playing in the grass, you know? I know. And I, I, when my memory was not, you know, all books and homeworks when I was in primary school, like when I was, you know, before 12, I, when I think back to those days, I remember, you know, 
There's <laughs> some really weird memories. I remember my uh, friend coming to us after work, after school with the, <laughs> with the rooster in her hand and she was just holding the rooster. I remember that. <laughs> I remember us playing, you know, uh, uh, not jump rope, but this, you know, the ropes, uh, the skipping rope game that you have to chant to when you do it. I remember us like first hearing, you know, listening to Jay Cho's uh, uh, nunchucks and trying to do those. Like, I remember all of those in my childhood, and I really don't remember being buried in, in homeworks. And I, I guess as China's, uh, you know, progressing in the past couple of years with the economy going really fast, I guess a lot of people are worried about this, you know, competitiveness of society, and they want their kids to be able to you know, have a, a spot in society after they'd leave school. So people were probably just acting on their worry for their kids. But now mm, that the mm, government mm, has mm, come mm. out, you know, the government has come out with this new policy. And I think it helps some people take a second look at what's really important for their children. You know, um, is everybody, not everybody's going to be able to get into the top school. The top school only has so many spots, you know, it's really about the integrity and, you know, um, personality of your children that are going to help them go a long way in life. And I think this policy from a, you know, top down gesture probably helps some people to just take a step back and relook at their education philosophy. And it's really, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. And I hope that a lot of parents and, you know, not just in China, but around the world also feel the same way and facilitate the, you know, their children enjoying uh, their life. Because, you know, um, there's a mutual friend of ours and he posted on one of his social media platforms recently and I read it and I was really thinking about it and it, it hit home for me about how I feel about this and this is Mr. Rogers so there's a TV show called oh yeah, my yeah God. exactly yeah yeah it's a very famous American TV show I watched it as a child yep. and uh, one of the things that yep. he says and I think I've got this right is play is really the work of childhood. And you you know, like that is so true, not just a, like about everything. It could just be playing with mud or it could be playing with Legos or it could be playing with other kids and pretending that you're a firefighter or a doctor or a police officer. Yep. Like you're really kind of building the mental structures to interpret society and to interpret like what it's like to build a little spaceship out of something simple. So maybe the, yep. someday you work on a real spaceship or like maybe you're, you're pretending to be a firefighter because you you're relating to what that experience is like. Maybe you don't become a firefighter, mm -hmm. but like you can understand or empathize, like feel like a little bit of what it feels like. Now, obviously you can't, but yeah. you know, like what does it mean to, <laughs> to, to be like in that position in society? Because you've been doing these role play games with your, your friends. What is it like to be a husband? I, I know I played family games with other little kids where I was like, I was daddy and some other one kid was the kid or whatever. Like, you know, we played all kinds of silly games and it was like setting my mind up to understand these concepts a little bit better by putting myself in the, those shoes in that, in that position a little bit. Yeah. And, and the reason why I know Mr. Rogers wasn't because I watched this show because that was a very, <laughs> it was a very American t uh, TV mm, program mm. that wasn't really exported to other countries, but I watched this movie that I highly, highly recommend uh, everybody. Uh, it's called yeah. a beautiful day. I, saw in it, the yeah. I loved it so much because it was very good. Yeah. Because that movie in its essence really speaks to the meaning of childhood and adulthood. And I mean, you know, with all the content, all the topics that we, we try to cover in this, in this episode, you know, different, uh, coming of age ceremonies or the responsibilities that society wants you to 
put on when you become a child. It all comes down to it's a natural progression of us. Like we are shaping who we're going mm, to mm, be mm, every mm. day. And a lot of it is done when we we're a kid, yeah. when we we're kids, you know, and whatever you go through in your childhood is going to inevitably in, inevitably affect who you become when you're an adult mm, mm. and that movie really really beautifully touches on that and then it's about how you come to kind of um you know a compromise or how you come to forgive the forgiveness of your life of whatever you went through as a kid when you're in a, when you are an adult and and mr rogers i wish i watched the movie and i wish i I watched him as a kid. I think it's going to, it, it probably would make me someone even more, you know, I'm already amazing, but that would probably make me even a better person, you know, in different, in different ways. And I think that's, again, that's universal, like across, across the board, you know, you make sure that a kid's everything that the parents do, or now, like if, for example, in China, the government's trying to do is make sure that the kids is getting what a kids mm, mm, should mm. get so that when they grow up to be, um, adults, you could have them take on the role as a, a, a productive, as a responsible and a helpful member of society. Well, I mean, I want to come back around to the thing you just said, but I also kind of want to talk about really briefly kind of make you jealous. I always thought Mr. Rogers was like the uh, male version of my grandmother on my father's side because mm. she was also like this rail thin person like him. And she was also <laughs> really calm all the time. Yeah. And she would always just sit down with me and talk me through things and like bring out children's books and read them with me and do role play with me. Mm. And I was like, she was my own personal Mr. Rogers. So like, I felt like I had like a living Mr. Rogers some of the time. I am jealous. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think you hit, hit it home. But I think, you know, the government has made a wise decision. And, and that is not just uh, like to let kids play, but like we want people to grow up and not just be good at math. I mean, it's great if they're good at math and they, it's great if they're good yeah. at like, you know, academic subjects. We need that society needs to move forward in those ways. But we also want People who are well adjusted and like know what it means to be playful and to be happy and to engage engage with life in a in a positive way. And like you're not going to get that by just sitting at a desk at night, you know, scribbling away at homework when you're five or six, seven years old. You're going to get yeah. that by filling your heart with joy, chasing after butterflies, you know? Yeah, you you have that kind of I think that kind of emotions of enjoying the beauty of life with no other you know, setbacks, no other, you ain't no distractions. That's the feeling that's going to stay with you for a long time. And when you grow up with that kind of feeling, you, you don't even learn to, you just develop, you just become more aware of the beautiful things in life later on. Cause we, we really need that. Cause when you become an adult, you start to see hardships. You don't see as a kid, you start to see some ugliness in, 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 and, and, you know, in human mm -hmm. beings, you start to see some you start to see start to see a lot of tragedies, hmm. but if you could keep that kind of way, that feeling in you that you bring from childhood, then yeah. you give yourself more opportunity to really enjoy your life. And also maybe to understand how the world could be and like how we could repaint the world to be so that someday, hopefully, mm -hmm. the whole world, we could all just be chasing butterflies in the grass together. Absolutely. That will be a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as usual, it's a great privilege talking with you and uh, goodbye to you and goodbye to our fans. Likewise, Jason, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.